0: Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Trail. This edition is a special one. Justin Chesum and I welcome an up-and-coming professional athlete, Carlos Vera. Carlos is outside the usual guest profile. He's a professional mixed martial arts fighter. He is currently a contestant on The Ultimate Fighter on ESPN. The UFC produced show brings in 16 fighters to compete against each other to determine a winner who is awarded a contract to fight in the UFC. On the show, the 16 fighters are divided into two teams of eight, each coached by a veteran of the UFC. In this season, the coaches are Michael Chandler and Conor McGregor. Carlos is on McGregor's side and shares a bit of that experience with us. However, the main reason I wanted Carlos to join us is that he is uniquely qualified to share what mindset it takes to continually progress and reach your goals, which transcend sport. As you'll hear, Carlos went from his comfortable life of wearing a suit and tie in the financial world. To become a professional fighter there are many lessons to glean from this episode about discipline resilience sacrifice overcoming obstacles and maintaining focus on your objectives i can't thank carlos enough for joining us he's put a lot of thought into pursuing a career in fighting and it shows in his thoughtful conversation with us
1: yeah i've seen it a few times it's pretty gnarly they say it's this. Yeah, you do have some. All right. So what do you, like, what do, you do? Do you treat that? Like, what do you do? Oh,
2: nah, man, uh, it's actually when you don't treat it. You hit your ears so much that uh, your ears just kind of harding up. The cartilage that you have there just gets really hard. It's no longer flimsy. So it actually becomes a weapon in itself. Um, and uh, it, it just it gets swollen, and then when it tightens up, it just becomes cauliflower ear um it actually helps your it's like a little shield to your head it's weird
1: <laughs> oh wow yeah. yeah that's always uh it's funny when you see that up close it's always a double take you're like whoa oh yeah. man yeah I've seen some Bar- big ones there
2: barbers are obsessed with it they'll start cutting your hair and they'll be like what 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 is that <laughs> I was like, this is my ears bro <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah
0: right
2: <laughs> it's funny
0: yeah um, hey, so, um, Carlos, thank you for coming on. This is a real pleasure and a privilege. Um, today we have, uh, Carlos Vera. He is a, uh, professional mixed martial artist, uh, fighter. Um, you've been doing it for a number of years now. And, uh, currently you're a contet- an active contestant on the ultimate fighter through the UFC. Um, and you're on Conor McGregor's team. And uh, you guys are going up against Michael Chandler's team so there's 16 of you guys in a, in a house and two teams and you're battling it out for an MMA or a UFC contract so um, I mean pretty cool I mean this is I think you're our you might be our first professional athlete on here um, which is which is pretty cool um, okay. so, yeah uh, we'll get to that experience in a minute Um we also have uh, Justin Chesham here, uh, you know, whatever. So. Um, Hi, not a professional. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Carlos, I wanted to delve into kind of what shaped you and, you know, how you got where you are and um, talk about growing up and where you're from and, you know, give us the, you know, what you want to share with, you know, growing okay. up and, and with the back, with the thought in the back of your head, like, this is what, Developed me into, you know, having the the, the the will and the resilience to be a professional fighter.
2: Sure. Uh, so, uh, Carlos Vera, thank you guys, firstly, for having me on the show. Secondly, um, yeah, I'm from South America, Ecuador. I was born there. I came to the States uh, as a kid. I was three, four years old when I came to the States. And I, came, I moved. We moved to New Orleans. Uh, it's a beautiful but gritty place. Um, and up until about six, almost seven years ago now, I moved to Washington, D.C., specifically to better my jiu-jitsu. Since I am a uh, professional mixed martial artist, I knew that was uh, the jiu-jitsu and wrestling part was uh, a part of my arsenal that I wanted to sharpen up, and what better place than Ryan Hall's Academy here in right outside of D.C.? So uh, when I was a child, I started martial arts at uh, four years old, uh, our started type window, um, and you know it starts innocently the whole time, and as as every martial art, you start off just basically um, it's like a pastime, and you just you're learning how to move your body when you're that young. Um, but with time, it becomes, uh, especially with with commitment, it takes on um, just a lifestyle. You know, just like any child that does any any sport seriously, um, it's a lifestyle. You learn how to win. You learn how to lose. Um, it becomes experiences that you start collecting. Um, you feel nervousness before competition. You feel excitement after wins, and I, it's a big foreshadowing, honestly, of of my my life to come. Right, of my life that that happened after that. Uh, but yeah. I, i uh did taekwondo my whole life um and uh I went to it, during my beginning years my childhood it was me learning to adapt to become an american uh even though i wa i came here as a young kid I was living in a ecuadorian bubble per se because it was my family um my parents my grandparents my uncles, and just an ecuadorian community around me um so you don't really understand what a uh, the typical American lifestyle is growing up um, until you get a little bit older. Uh, so that in itself is a gritty, um, an immigrant lifestyle is it's a gritty way of life. Like you know that you're going to face obstacles. Uh, we didn't come with much of anything, um, and you're you're always taught to fight through hardship. It, it, it's it's understood that your life will be harder than others, and that was something that my family kind of just understood and made it very clear that we were gonna have a little bit more of a difficult life but to keep a smile on your face and keep pushing forward and also to have a sense of pride because you do carry the Ecuadorian flag and soon enough you will carry the american flag as well and it's your job to represent yourself and both your flags properly um immigrants are proud people man so that that's kind of how how it starts you know that that grittiness starts from childhood um, and uh, sure enough we worked our way pretty hard everybody I mean everybody has to work in the household we all have to uh, basically be disciplined enough to, to help run the household because we we didn't have that the means uh, for just uh, just to be kids so you know at a certain age 11 12 years old uh, I was starting to work already bringing a little bit of income um, but I worked my way into a really prestigious high school. Uh, my parents were very strict on uh, education. And uh, I went to a Jesuit high school, which was a military Jesuit high school in New Orleans. Um, and Double it, went, it was a lot of studying, man. A lot of studying. It was a, a weird high school because it was all boys. And uh, the the most powerful students were the, the smartest students. It wasn't a jocks. If you're a jock and you were dumb, you were laughed at. Right, so the, the the framing of the high school that I went to was completely different than what you see in movies. Uh, the 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 and when you graduated, they put you in order from I don't want to say dumbest to smartest, but lowest GPA to highest GPA. Right, and it's like you everybody always tried to go for the highest GPA. It was a it was a really cool school because it really put into uh, perspective how important education was, um, and then also. We'll get into this later, how how uh, schooling does prepare you for uh, in order to be a professional athlete. But all of that helped give me a routine, Uh, you know, train before school, study hard, train after school and then, uh, you know, just continue to do that for years to come and. And that, that, that's really what developed me, you know. And then when I became uh, 19 years old, I got a full scholarship or 18 years old, I got a full scholarship to Loyola University, New Orleans. Um, again, I was still training kind of in the background. But at this point, I thought I was going to be a, an accountant. Um, I graduated in accounting. I worked in finance for about six, almost seven years um, until I realized that, you know, I wanted to pursue. I was doing amateur MMA fights during this time. When I realized it was time for me to to take the sacrifice, take the plunge, um, I took some of my four one k money and uh, I just said, "All right, man, let's do this." And, and here I am today. Um, I haven't done too too much, but I'm definitely in, in the route of continuing to to accomplish my dreams. So, as a professional yeah. athlete,
0: yeah. I mean, so there's a lot to uh, to get to and and all of that, right? So like immigrant, you know, that you talk about the grittiness and like, <clears throat> I mean, what are some of your memories with your parents? I mean, I'm sure they're working their butts off and trying to, you know, take care of the, of the family and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, what kind of foundation did that lay in your mind of what it took to, to you know, be successful and to provide and, and that sort of thing? And obviously you saw them. Getting up every morning and, and and you know, tell that story of of kind of your memories of, of that and what the impact it had on you.
2: Yeah, it's it's really it's really cool because um when I think back, I think of my family as a whole. We we're a unit, right? And um basically we were Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me uh let me go inside real quick. Basically, well, we started off. It was, like I said, a unit, and my my parents both had double jobs. My
0: sorry, kind of like cheese's
1: house. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm
2: taking care of uh, I'm taking care of my dogs right now, so it's uh, it's a little tough at the moment. Can you guys see me now yeah yeah okay yeah so when i was a kid we started off with my family working um two to three jobs uh in total uh my grandparents also they they owned a uh a tailor shop and my uncles they all had random jobs so what i do remember is everybody would meet up at my grandparents house in the morning and we would bounce from uh, one aunt and uncle staying with them, going to their job, uh, to another uncle, to my parents. Whoever we could take, whoever could take care of us as kids, would take care of us because we didn't necessarily have the luxury of a nanny or uh, any of that sort. So it was always going from one job to the next job to the next job, and we just saw our family just work very, very hard. And it became understood that it would come a time when it would be our job to work very, very hard. So it was, uh, it it started molding my my framework that no one can just sit around and just hang out. Your job is to work, your job is to help provide for your family, your job is to overcome hardship, and your job is basically to, uh, you know, to succeed, to find any way to succeed. So that 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 really was the the biggest thing, um, because everybody really did work all the time. <laughs>
0: right, right, yeah. So, like you talk about, um, you know, your commitment when you started martial arts and how it became kind of a lifestyle and and your routine, right? You were disciplined and going there before school and after school, and and you know, when did it click over to you that <clears throat> we talk a lot about um you know kids who want to go to the, from high school to college you know their team might train three or four nights a week and they may have a match on the weekend but it's the ones who do the extra things and and have some discipline around getting better at their at their sport that ultimately succeed and so when did it click to you that that was the formula to, to get better, um, and, uh, and for you to win matches and, and, and that sort of thing. Um,
2: yeah, um, we competed on, a on a state national international level with Taekwondo. Um, and initially it was just my build. I was, a, a stockier, very powerful kid, um, more than other kids, more so than other kids. Um, and initially it was, me just learning how to initiate techniques this and that this and that right just with my body type but then when it came time that um everybody was fairly physical um i came to the realization that certain techniques worked and the development of certain techniques timing all that stuff worked so it couldn't just be uh, innate it could just be just regular practice i had to drill um, and drilling became essentially what set me uh, apart from other fighters in the state. And, and I was state champion several times, became national champion several times. And then internationally um, in the Junior Olympics, I, I got up to fourth place in the Junior Olympics for Taekwondo. Um, but uh, it, it was when, when we hit, a, I would say, a level of competition where everyone is going to be game. Um, when everyone's game, it's, it's one, it's, it's your heart, your will to win. And then two, it's uh, how you train. Um, if you're just, Kobe says this all the time. If, if you just practice during practice, you're only going to be so successful. Um, and you realize and my team realized that we wanted to, to win. So we would practice as much as we could and specific scenarios of, how to win certain positions and, and certain opponent against certain opponents. So I would say when I was about 12, 13 years old, when I really started getting like my boy strength into to pre-teen to teenage strength was when um, I really started to kind of blossom as an athlete and uh, just mentally being ready to be a better competitor. Um, I knew that I had to train uh, in order to really keep up because I'm, I'm also not the tallest kid. So um, I knew I had to work hard. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was around that time and it was around the time when everybody else had physical attributes to them that sometimes I couldn't uh, match up to. So it was my skill and it was my ability to drill consistently to to get better at those skills. And it's actually those skills that that I still use today. Um, it was developed. Most of the skills that I have footwork and kick wise was developed at this time that I'm talking about. It was just right. hours of repetition became my my foundation to the MMA fighting that I do now.
0: Yep. Cheese, um, you, you got. I didn't know if you had a question. It's hard to tell. Like uh, when you're.
1: No, no. I, I okay. mean, I, I, I've got a lot of follow-ups. I didn't know if you wanted to keep it. No, few... no. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, yeah, jump no. in anytime you want. Obviously. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I, most of my comments or you know, questions are going to be crossing over into different sports, so. Sure. Uh, I mean, for starters, did you play anything else growing up or, uh, you know, like, like we're soccer people. I know Ecuador's got some pretty good soccer players. Is there, is yeah. there any that you have?
2: Yeah, I was going to say as a, as a good Ecuadorian, of course, I grew up playing soccer. Um, uh, we played soccer, uh, pick up soccer games on the weekends. I played a little bit of club soccer and I played some soccer in high school as well. My dad was uh, like a minor league soccer player in, in uh, South America and uh he was really good actually he he's he's come to some of my games we would go play pickup games and i, I remember there were days where he's like i feel like playing too and i'm like dude you're you're a beast i saw him yeah. hit a bicycle kick when he was like in his 50s i was like <laughs> this is crazy dad like what, what where did this come from you know it was nuts yeah. man people would always like be like their jaw would drop when they see my dad play it was it was a. Uh, yeah, we, we definitely grew up playing soccer.
1: Well, so I, I'm asking that because, uh, you know, you you gave us a great story, uh, you know, about your past, about how you grew up. And, you know, that grittiness, you had no choice. You know, Correct. you had to be tough. You had absolutely no choice. And, you know, I, I think that most of the kids nowadays, at least the ones that, you know, I'm recruiting to come to school, are usually pretty well off and, and didn't grow up in that type of lifestyle. I only have a few kids that I can remember that did. <laughs> So I mean, what type of advice can you give? I mean what how can you speak on that where I've got a kid who doesn't have that just natural chip on his shoulder. It just he didn't have to have it. He grew up in a in a good situation where, you know, there's plenty of money and freedom and all that stuff. So tell me what your thoughts are on that and how can a kid maybe create that environment for himself? I mean, what are your thoughts there? Um
2: I think uh you're hitting on a really important topic because I think the word grit is missing from a lot of, uh, I would say the the younger generation that's coming up right now, you Mm -hmm. know, um, it's kind of how people say, you know, each generation gets a little bit softer. Um, but the reality is that right now a lot of kids don't have to, um, face the hardship that, you know, generations before them had to face. And I know that I, we didn't have to face the hardship that, that, you know, our grandparents had to face. So, um, but just because you didn't face that hardship doesn't mean that you can't mold your mind to become a little bit more bulletproof um right. so it all depends and this is something that i'm trying to instill into my nephews now right um because my nephews are, are the same way they're not going through the stuff that we went through so uh the big thing is even though you didn't go through that hardship having that chip on your shoulder and having a, like that will to win is what's going to really set you apart from from other people um, and it starts off with competitiveness, really, I think so, because you, you, you should be a little, if you're going to do any kind of professional sport, you should look to win. That That is, it. I think the first step is understanding that you, you're doing this to win. So, and you must really, you really have to understand that you must want to win. Now, mm-hmm. we can go into different topics, you know, um, you know, People become a little too too focused on winning and don't do the right stuff. But the, the first thing is that they must understand that winning has to be the priority. Um, and then secondly, in order to win, you have to develop a certain lifestyle. You know, So even if you don't have the grittiness, if you can find discipline and training a certain way all day, as much as you can, I feel like that's going to develop the grittiness in, in anybody. I mean, I know people that are like the fluffiest that have had the perfect upbringing and haven't had to deal with any personal hardship, but they are the toughest son of a guns, man, that I've I've met just because of their discipline, because they they train so darn much that they uh, they understand or, or or their body adapts to to. To these scenarios, man, and they can they can fight anybody or they can they can compete against anybody, whether they have a battle bringing or not, because at the end of the day, in sports, it's skill that wins, you know, it's skill and it's 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 your will to win. Those are the two biggest things that I think you need. Um, But yeah, that that that, that I think is my two cents on on the grittiness. I think if you don't have necessarily that foundation um, or that background, your discipline. Uh, to work every day will create a certain type of, of personal grittiness because if you train every day, you believe that you, you deserve it just a little bit more than someone who doesn't train every day. I remember thinking that too right. uh, I, as an amateur, I train like a professional. And when whenever an, uh, somebody, I, I had to fight somebody that wasn't um, training as much, that I knew that he wasn't as training as much as I was. I was like, this guy doesn't deserve to be in the ring. I'm going to hurt him. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. as a competitor, as a soccer, my team, the same thing. We're like, hey, man, we played so dang much that there were times where, like, these guys just – this this is a hobby for them, even though it might not have been. But it was kind of how we framed our our thoughts, you know, like they're not going to beat yeah. us. You know, and that's where that uh, grittiness, like, comes into play with your discipline and with your
1: with your craft. Uh, you know, I we get these kids in, and uh, we have a saying that you don't – truly know who they're going to be until they're with you. Because, you know, they've been living under their parents' roof. They've had a different schedule their whole lives. Um, the soccer was easier. The schooling was easier. You know, in theory, it's supposed to be tougher in college, right? I mean, the soccer's supposed to be faster and stronger. And uh, you really don't know who the kid is until he's there. And he's under your roof now. And you're he's yours. And he's battling through that. So, you know, what would you say to a kid? You know, I get this question all the time from not only my incoming kids. I just saw a kid across the street that's going to another school. I'm talking to him a little bit about preparation. But what would you say to a kid who's about to go off, he's about to enter this whole new world, and this is what you need to prepare in order to get ready for that new world? Because most of these kids are good players. Most of these kids were smart enough at their school and were talented enough at their sport that they – they might think it's just going to carry over into the next world, and they don't realize that. I mean, now you're going to go against men four or five years older than you. It's just like when you enter this new world, and now you're fighting people that are just as in, just as intense as you are about this. You know what's what's the advice? What do you what do you give to those young men that hey, you're starting in two months. This is what you need to be doing today.
2: Yeah, first of all, I think it would be uh, how you perceive what's happening. Right, I think the first thing would be to perceive it with excitement, uh, to perceive it as a challenge, uh, not to, to dread it. Right, If you're dreading competition, uh, it's going to carry on throughout everything. If you're perceiving this as a threat, you're going to react differently than if you're perceiving this as a challenge and as something to be excited. Um, also, to look at this experience to be like, hey, man. These next few years, I'm never going to experience this for the rest of my life, you know? Like, mm-hmm. just gratitude. Being able to be gracious and have that gratitude about, all right, because if you can see an end, of, uh, a hole at the end of the tunnel or a light at the end of the tunnel, you can, you can put up with just about anything because you know that, okay, there's going to be a point in time where are not going to be doing this. So, okay, let's make sure that this is a challenge that I'm willing to take on. And let's just never forget that I love what I do. This is what I'm, I want to do this. And if I don't want to do this, I should stop because there's going to be people that do want to do this. And they're going to quickly make me realize that maybe I'm not adept or suited to to do this professionally or collegiately, which in America collegiate sports are some of the most crazy, like (laughs) talented, rugged sports out there. Right. Just because it's, it's so competitive. Um, so i think that would be the first thing is your outlook how are you looking at this you know Uh, i think the next thing is going to be to um really set your goals uh what is your goal you know is your goal to just do this for college and dip after that is your goal to try to try to actually win and potentially hit the next level of the professional rankings like what is your goal write out your goals you know um And honestly, I would say that at this point, a lot of them, uh, actually, I I don't know. I I don't know how how people, I don't know how the the professional soccer, because I would assume it's very competitive to get into the the pro leagues after college. So um, I assume that a lot of these guys, that's their goal. But um, maybe it's so competitive that it's not their goal. I'm not sure. But the the big thing is going to be, hey, write down what your goals are. And as a coach, uh, I would say, What are your goals? Are your goals to potentially hit the next level? I can use you because if you are going to be this guy and and this is what you say your goals are, we can help each other, you know, Mm -hmm. but if your goals are just to coast along, you're going to be treated like that guy. No offense. You know, Just going to coast along. Hey, yeah, you can hit the bench. You want to come in? Cool. Come in for a game here or there, but get your ass back on that bench, bro. I mean, (laughs) at the end of the day, man, it's, it's, it's winning that we want. You know, yeah. I don't care what anybody says, you know, yes, it's about learning. It's about the experience. But if you have the will to win, do you want to win? I keep saying the same thing. If you want to win, and I'm not saying that they have to win. But, you know, as long as they they know that they want to win, that you can you can mold a superstar with that, you know. Um, so I think those are the two biggest things, you know, understanding what your goal is, is your goal to hit that next level. Cool. Then right. Understand that you're going to you you got to work you got yeah. to work, right? And then also understand that this is a great experience. You know, I, I think about this all the time in my personal life. Um, there are days, dude, that my body's shot. You know, there's I'm getting beat up. I'm waking up, like spitting blood out. Um, you know, my my nose is all kinds of jacked up. Sometimes I can't breathe. So, you know, just there's things that come with a sport that a lot of other sports don't have to go through. And uh I have to tell myself, man, first of all, you love what you do. You know, second of all, there's gonna be a point in time where you look back and you'll be like, God, I wish I could go back and compete again. Mm. But you can't do it anymore. You know? So I'm taking this, I try to remind myself, and and every day when I feel like this is some, this is some BS, yeah. like I don't feel like doing this today, my body hurts. I don't feel like being here all day. I wanna go have a beer on a beach somewhere. You know i know that it's going to come a point in time where i i I can't do what i'm doing now so it makes it all just relevant and and i become very thankful and i get back to work (laughs) so those are really my tips for for any collegiate athlete that is looking to to start a new a new path right in college getting ready to compete
1: you know uh john calipari the the basketball coach at kentucky um, you know, famous coach won some titles. Uh, he he famously was talking about making his players uncomfortable. You know, uh, you know, talk about comfortable environments. You know, you're in Kentucky. You have every every you know bells and whistles you can imagine. You know, are given to these kids. And you know, Kalapari's coaching some of the best future NBA talent in the country, in the world. And he's uh, he's talking about making them uncomfortable, which I think is such a smart thing. And you know, we we try to emulate that. We try to make these kids as uncomfortable as possible. So it gets tricky when you get to a kid that does make it. So you get this kid in and he just does such a great job. So so for your world, you climb the ladder quickly. You're a young fighter and you pick up some big wins fast, and you're you're now headlining events. You're now you've you've got that chip and you're special on top of that. And you climb all the way to the top and now you're there. So the equivalent for us is we have a freshman that's you know, rookie of the year or all conference, or, you know, a kid that Scott and I coached that was a, a all American in his freshman year. It's like, how does that kid stay there now? Now he's already climbed to the top. He might be comfortable. He might be sitting there like, Oh, I I'm, I'm good. I, I already did it. You know, in your world, what does, what happens to that guy who climbs a ladder and then thinks he's done, you know, now that you're coming after him or someone else has coming after him. I, I, what can you speak on that?
2: I think it's, First of all, it's important for this person to know that if you want to stay wherever you are, you have to keep working because this is survival of the fittest, man. This is uh, you're going to easily get chewed down back to to minor leagues, to this, to that, to not being where you are now if you don't continue to put the work. Just like they have to know that that Mm -hmm. person has to know that if you do not keep working or increase because now you're you're at a new level, a new league, like you're you're just going to get bumped back down. There's nothing more painful than someone who gets to the UFC and loses each three fights of their first contract and gets bumped back down to another regional promotion or to the minor leagues. And it's like, that that sucks. You know, and uh, they have to know that's going to happen. You know, they must yeah. know, first of all, like, these are the repercussions if you don't take this seriously. You're going to go back. Congratulations on what you did let's celebrate you for a second understand that you've done a great job you're here where you are because of your hard work but don't don't like don't look at your at you know success and be like man all right cool i can chill cuz yeah. in the world of sports you can't ever chill you can't ever yeah. just stop working you know yeah. so i think if if the first thing is if they understand and know that if i don't work i'm going to go back to where it was before then um you know uh as long as they understand that framework, I think uh, that should innately give them a sense of, I need to continue to work. And if that doesn't happen, then, you know, they're not, they're not going to succeed at that level. You know, because everyone, yeah. the best players are always going to work like that. The yeah. best, the top of the notch are always going to work like that.
1: Yeah, um, you, you I, know I'm, a little,
2: I'm a little unforgiving sometimes, you know, with... Uh, yeah with like uh, my, the, the discipline and structure, like, hey, if you really want this, you're gonna find a way to make this happen, you know? Um, and if you made it happen, cool, you better get to work even more. Now, sure, there are moments where losses are gonna come and like, you know, like setbacks are gonna happen, but that doesn't, that that's not a, that's part of the game. But if you're yeah. not putting your work in, the time in necessary to continue to reach to that next level, then you don't deserve to be there. Yeah,
1: you know? not, now you have that target. I mean, now yeah. we're all coming for you, and now that you're at the top, the fall is the fall is greater. Yeah, you know, now if you fall, it's gonna hurt. I mean, if you're at the bottom and you fall, that's a uh, you dust yourself yeah, off and yeah. and again, right? Right, but you make it up there, and then you fall. I mean, we've got some, you sure there's some famous examples of people that, oh wow, look look what happened to him shortly after he won everything. I mean, that's yeah. uh it's definitely something you want to avoid. You know, it's obviously it's a different level. It's a micro level compared to some of the pro. Examples of what we're talking about on the college level, where you're great as a freshman or sophomore, and then you don't have a good junior or senior year. It's a little different, of course, but uh you know what we're really, really talking about here is the mindset. You know, yeah. what are you doing about it? You know, like, what is we were talking about this in the pandemic? You know, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't even see our guys. We were doing Zoom calls all the time. Like, how can I be a soccer coach on the computer? You know, so it's not the same. And but we had one message and one message only. It's when this is over, you're either going to come out of it better or you're going to come out of it worse. And now it's 100 yeah. percent on you because dude, you're on your own. You're at home. Like, what, what, yeah. I can't do anything. So it's 100 percent on you. Are you going to come back better or are you going to come back worse? You're not going to be the same. Yeah. The
0: same. yeah. Hey, Carlos, I want to I want to go back to when you like you're wearing your suit and tie and your loafers or wingtips or whatever. And you make that decision. You're like, screw this. I'm burning the boats. There's no plan B. I'm going to go pursue my dream. And Uh I think this is really applicable to um, kids as they're thinking, like, I want to go, I'm going to be a college soccer player. I'm going to go be a division one. I'm going to go, you know, be a starter on a big team. And like, I'm sure you're smart, dude. You didn't, you didn't say... I'm just gonna go do it like you had a plan right? right and you you knew that you had the discipline you we keep talking about that like what convinced you that you were gonna have the ability to drop everything your your comfortable lifestyle to go and pursue and be gritty and and become a professional fighter
2: well firstly i i saw the the higher level athletes um because i was fighting on an amateur level, Um, but I saw the (laughs) professionals and I remember getting beat up by a professional um, and they just, there wasn't enough time in the day for me to train the way that I wanted to train um, because this person had so much more experience and I just had to catch up. Um, And even when I was working, he was training and I was like, shoot, man, like I, in order for me to get any kind of good, I need to, something's got to give. I'm not going to get to the level that I want to get to by by working, you know, 10-hour days um or more sometimes. So uh something's got to give um and I train my best as much as I can. I'm, I'm talking about I would wake up at 5:30 in the morning, train for an hour and a half, go to work, train during my lunchtime because my uh MMA academy was about 15 minutes away Train during my lunchtime for a good old hour something come back and then train at nighttime till about 11 something at night after work so it was still a lot of training um but i knew that it wasn't enough to hit that uh that next level so uh i mean i i got my ducks in a row you know i was i think smart enough to be like okay well let me work to get this amount in my 401k. Let me take a little bit of this out. and I'm going to pay myself little by little. And we're going to figure out how to make everything else happen. This is just going to be faith. I think faith is a big part of being able to uh, take that plunge. Having faith that your hard work and your dedication um, will open doors. You know, um, and that's 100% what happened. You know, I, I, uh, I quit my job. Um, and I, you know, I, I survived off my, a little bit of my 401k and then teaching um uh, here and there. Uh, and then just off of the basic little fight money that I was getting from each fight. Um, you know, but with each fight, I got a little bit better, and a little bit better. And I, I had uh, a plan, basically a plan of how to get better each time. So, you know, every, I felt like every three months I was just shed an old skin and becoming a, a a new a new fighter um as I still am doing now in my opinion. Um so I think that was the biggest thing is me kind of understanding that I needed to drop the fluff, take all that fluff out and just focus specifically on what I had to do. Um and then next was just creating a plan of how am I going to Continue to get better and better and better. I couldn't just stay stagnant. I think that's a big issue with with uh, fighters. I'm not sure about other collegiate sports, but like they MMA is such a tough man's game that they rely on just getting tougher, um, and they keep the skills that they have to a certain point, but they don't necessarily rise in skills. They just kind of stay extra dirty. That's why like their their records do this. Um, because sometimes they fight someone that they're tougher sometimes they fight someone that they're not as tough as and like they don't necessarily get better so i think the the higher level athlete is gonna look to improve their game um just overall and and they should be looking to evolve every every few months to be honest with you I mean do you suck at free throws okay cool let's let's work on free throws maybe my Maybe I want to kick it upper ninety, right? Maybe I want to kick it five. Maybe I want to be able to curve it. Maybe, you know, there's there's different things that they should always be looking to work on, right? The, the game of soccer is insane. So, uh, for me personally, it's like I have boxing, jujitsu, you know, wrestling, and, and Scott. I wasn't the best grappler when I moved to to Virginia five six years ago, you know. And right now, grappling was one of my strongest suits, you know. Good so. Now. So it's 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 crazy, you know, but that time work that you put in and as long as you have, I think being able to plan um, and being able to be like, okay, being able to set goals is just huge. Okay, within these next six months, I will be better at this, you know, and even if you're not that great on it, you're going to be better at it than you were six months ago, you know, so like little by little with time, you're just going to keep getting better and better and better. You can't just wing it, you know, so right. I think my ability to understand that I needed to cut the fluff up and to give myself more structure was what helped get me to the next level.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, you're a perfect case study of like, you know, having the discipline to. Well, the the foresight to realize, hey, this is a this is a hole in my game and I really need to, to have a disciplined approach to developing it and making sure that it's better over over a span of time. And so you, you, you dedicated yourself to that. Um, I think, yeah, that's an important lesson. Like it's not, you weren't born that way, right? You had right. to develop and work at it and seek out, I mean, you made a huge leap, right? You moved from home in your comfort zone and you, uh, you came to the DC area to, to get better at something that you recognized as your, as your, I'm assuming your biggest weakness or else you wouldn't have come yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to where you went. Um, uh, so, um, so you took a lot of risk, right. And, and, uh, you had the discipline and let one word that kept popping in my head was sacrifice. Right. Right. And I don't know that kids these days, I mean, I sound like every other, you know, generation, like kids these days kind of thing, but it has nothing to do with your age, right? It's it's all about, are you willing to make a sacrifice yeah. to to give better yeah. something and pursue something? And, you know, you made financial sacrifices, you made, you know, career sacrifices. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you haven't been able to do the things that you wanted to do, you know, that sort of thing. So talk about, you know, your willingness to make those sacrifices and and the impact it's had on your life and, you know, and then ultimately how it's helped you reach your goals.
2: Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of sacrifice. Uh, I'm a big family person. I haven't seen my family very much in the last six years here and there. I see them. uh, We talk every day, but I don't see them so much. I don't live a regular lifestyle, you know, relationships like like uh, personal relationships sometimes just fizzle out just because you're not at all these social places that they want to happen. I, I actually immediately let people know, hey, uh, I'm not, I don't live a normal life. And my life is training. I'm going to train all day and I'm not going to be done until about 11.30 at night. True story, sometimes later. So I don't have a regular lifestyle like that. Um, and there's a lot of solitude. Uh, in in high-level training... There's a lot of solitude. You don't have, I mean, you have your training this sister, that, but you don't really have a, just a, a social experience outside of your immediate training room. So um, I didn't know so much about that until I jumped in full force, you know, uh, understanding that you, if, if I had to go back and tell my younger self, hey, you're going to have to go through this. Do you really want to do what you're going to do? My answer would have been yes. All right? So, again, that's why I've been able to... The, the sacrifice is just part of it. You know? And if someone really loves you and, you know, all of that, they're going to stick around. Because they know that you're essentially trying to reach the pinnacle of yourself. You're trying to get to a better place for you. You know? So, um, understand that sacrifices will be... have to, you, You're going to have to make sacrifices to, to succeed. Um that's part of the game right now. I would definitely say for a collegiate student, um, it's, it's even harder, man, because me, I, I live in a bubble for a collegiate student. You're going to have all kinds of peer pressures around you, right? You're going to have the hotties over there, the, the parties over here, right? You're, you're going to want to go get a beer with the boys, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, how bad do you want this thing, man? Like, do you want this thing for real? Then, okay, get to work. Um, but also don't forget that you can enjoy life um, a little bit here and there, but your your goal has to be set. I, I think uh, one big thing that I have is a whiteboard and I write my goal. It's like, this is what you want to be in the next six months. This is where you want to be in the next year. We're going to try to get there. So we have to push. So I think it's uh, understanding like what it is that I want and understanding that these are the pressures and the sacrifices that will have to be made. As long as I'm pushing towards that direction, um, and as long as it's there's like a, I would say, a, on average, 80-20, I'm 80% working all the time, 20% I can kind of relax. That's kind of giving me the, cool, you can relax at this time. Don't worry, because you're going to be training your ass off all day tomorrow, and you already trained your ass off from here to here. You know, So you do have to have a little bit of balance because you don't want to burn yourself out. But I think it's just setting your goal and understanding what that goal is and then working towards that goal. And understanding that sacrifices will have to be made from that point on, right? Um, and they just know the game is relentless, dude. If you don't want to make those sacrifices, somebody else does want to make that sacrifice. And you're just, mm. you're not going to be part of that race anymore, you know? So as long as those people understand that, um, which I assume when you're at a collegiate level, I assume that most people understand that you're going to have to make sacrifice. You're, you're a student athlete. You're going to have to make a lot of sacrifice to, to succeed and hit that
1: next level. Carlos, um, so t- I want you to talk a little bit about diet. You know, you're you're training a ton. You're you're right in the thick of things right now. So, you know, talk about what your diet looks like to prepare for getting into the thick of things. And then once you're in the thick of things, what's your diet like? Like, how does your diet transform? Or are you pretty steady across the board? I mean, uh, you know, let's talk about maybe some of the things you eat. Just basically, your, where are you getting your power from? Where are you getting your nutrition
2: Man, that that's a big one there. Um, obviously, uh, I've had to get a nutritionist over the years and working with a nutritionist. Then I've learned how to do it on my own, and i you know I kind of like told the nutritionist thank you. And at this point, I just I understand how my body works and how to how to feed myself. Um, so there's on seasons, there's off seasons, and then there's that transitional period when you're going to go from off to on. <clears throat> um, I would say in camp, uh, the diet is is it is a very strict diet there's here because we're in a ba- a weight-based sport so i weigh on average about 160 to 165 pounds i fight at 135 pounds so there is a big difference of what i walk at and what i fight at, right which is crazy and by me saying i walk on average 160 to 165 that's me eating the way that i grew up eating let's like rice lentils plantains like a very Hispanic diet, you know, beans. It's very starchy. It, it just is, right? And that's kind of my comfort food. Um, we do have a lot of salads and a lot of proteins as well. But that is like, a, I, I do find comfort in eating that way um, off-season. Uh, I don't eat necessarily badly. You know, a plate of rice, beans, a salad, and some protein isn't bad. But it is a heavier meal. Um, and I do train a lot. So it makes me feel fueled up uh i train like i said eight hours a day is 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 not even there's days that's way more than that you know and if it's shorter periods than that it's like very very intense so um that kind of diet really does help on average though uh specifically within transition i'll eat about five times a day uh, morning times high proteins it's gonna be uh eggs with uh, a little bit of turkey sausage or turkey bacon and then avocado a lot of high fats and then
1: um some fruits
2: so that tends to be my my uh breakfast food which is uh, semi-heavy maybe sometimes i'll do a slice of ezekiel bread or not ezekiel bread is kind of my go-to uh then i'll eat after uh the first training uh this is going to be more because i have like a long day ahead this is going to be a little bit more uh So I have a lot of kimchi, vegetables, salads, and then like salmon uh, or some kind of lean protein just so I'm not too heavy because I'm about to start training again. Um, So that's going to be – it's just filling yourself up with with fiber basically so that you're not – you don't feel the heaviness, heaviness of rice. Such as so, and then uh, I'll right. eat something in between. Could be a smoothie, it could be a protein shake, it could be something of that sort. Um, and then at dinner time, I want to eat a lot, especially when I'm when I'm uh training really hard. But I don't want to eat the wrong things, so I've, I've had to make adjustments. So I'll make cauliflower rice, and uh, since it's so low in calories, I'll eat like a ginormous kind of a uh, fried rice, cauliflower rice, where I put just dumped vegetables on there. Um put some eggs, and I, I make a, a really good uh, kind of a fried rice meal. So it keeps my, my, my shape and my my body um, fed, but it's not overall in calories, bad calories anyway. And then um, I'll eat some. Uh, I, I do like my, my red meat too, man. I, I need it. I don't do it all the time, but I, I do need it. Um, so, uh, you know, like grass-fed steak, grass-fed uh, – just, just all kinds of meats. So – that I think it's uh that's basically my 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 whole day. I do that just about every day. If I'm off season, I'll switch cauliflower rice with like regular rice, you know. But um, uh, it's mm. it's pretty consistent.
1: That's great. I'm a, I'm gonna steal some of those ideas. I need to. The last time was Scott. When's the last time you were 135? Uh, <laughs> I think I was in high. I was in high school, man. It's been uh, <laughs> we're creeping up on 30 years ago. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um Carlos uh
0: talk about like the feelings and pride you get in representing Ecuador representing the United yeah. States um I know that your heritage is important to you um and talk about like you know what that feels like and um just so the background on this before you get started um there are a lot of kids who play for these club soccer teams and a lot of them don't end up playing for their schools um, because they're committed to their club and um, they don't really play for something bigger than themselves. Right. It's just, it's just playing towards the goal of becoming a college soccer player and they don't necessarily have the experience of like that, you know, spree to core kind of thing. And um, you know, you get to feel that, you know, when you're representing a country and you, you know, that you have a lot of people, that are behind you because of of your you know where you're from and and that sort of thing. So, um, talk about how important that is to you.
2: When I was a kid, uh, especially coming to the states, they didn't have many Ecuadorian athletes. I mean, in, in the in the nineties, uh, they didn't have much Spanish speaking anything around anywhere. I mean, they had a lot of Hispanics here, you know, but it wasn't like today where like it, there's Spanish you know, media everywhere, you know, the Spanish radio stations on FM. I remember when there was the first Spanish song that came on in FM, like that's how crazy it was, Um, FM radio, right? Um, So I knew that I I had a a whole other culture um, that I was representing immediately just because I I didn't understand American culture and I didn't speak the English language at first. So my dream was always, especially since I was training as four years old, was like, Man, I want to be able to represent my country someday, Ecuador, you know, with the people that speak like I do, the people that talk like I do, the people, you know, I want to be able to represent them someday doing what I do. And uh, actually, um, Ecuador didn't have a Taekwondo team, uh, an international Taekwondo team. So again, we went to the Junior Olympics um, and I made the Junior Olympics twice. um, And the first time when I qualified, I wasn't an American citizen yet and I couldn't represent the U.S. I Ecuador didn't have a team at that time, so I, I was I wasn't able to compete. I wasn't able to compete at the Junior Olympics. It was a big, it was a it was a it was a hard time for me because when you train, you're 15 years old, 14 years old, and you train your whole life, and you're like, I got this experience, I got this opportunity, and you couldn't do it. That was a bummer, you know. When they're like, dude, you're not you're not American, you can't compete. I was like, and you they don't have an Ecuadorian team, you can't even train with. I was like, it was it was rough. So, um, I became a citizen eventually and, uh, I competed and I represented the U S um, and it was really cool, you know, because in in Taekwondo, Koreans and uh, the Asian countries and African countries are actually very, very high level with those. Um, so when I was able to, you know, to, to represent the U S and walk in and we have that U S uh, kind of like suit and stuff, it was cool as a, as a kid, that was, that was really special. But, um, it was special for me because I had to become that citizen. It's like, hey, you, you are now a U.S. citizen. You're an American. Um, so that was special that I could represent what I had just become. But there was still an innate part of me that wanted to represent my home country, you know, like where I came from, my family. So when I became a professional um, and I was finally in, like, the minor leagues where I'm, like, showing, like, you know, I'm, I'm fighting uh, on camera and you can watch me all over the world compete when i can walk out wear my ecuadorian flag when i can uh when they say my name born map ecuador you know like there's there's a big pride there and i remember me as a kid there weren't many ecuadorian athletes anywhere so whenever i would see an ecuadorian athlete like they would have some bicyclists i was like oh man you know as a kid you're like ah oh, he's cool like let's go for him so like a part of me does want to fight for those kids that they don't see. A, we still don't have a lot of Ecuadorian MMA fighters. It's grown little by little, but I want to be able to inspire some of those kids, you know, because I remember how inspired I was by, by a cyclist. And I don't even know the first thing about riding a bike, dude, I, I can ride it. That's about it. You know, but I was like, man, go for it. You can do it. You know? So I want to, I want to be that guy, at least be able to represent Ecuador. Um, so th- that, that's a big thing. You know, whenever I, uh, Whenever I talk, you know, and then the next thing the the other place that I want to represent always is New Orleans because New Orleans saw me grow up, man. Like New Orleans saw me. I went from being very much an immigrant to to only understanding New Orleans. I was very culture shocked when I moved to D.C. I I didn't understand how backwards it was down south, but it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. We have a lot of culture. We have we talk differently. Everybody is very hospitable. Southern hospitality is a real thing. You know, so, like, I, I represent New Orleans as well. So um, the two big flags that I that I always like to represent is the Ecuadorian flag and, and, and the, the Florida League, like the, the New Orleans Florida League, you know. So mm-hmm. um, just being able to represent the, the places that I grew up in and the people that have shown me support um, is something that I hold dear to my heart. And it's – I know how inspired I was to see people – Doing what I wanted to do, that were from where I was, and I, I wanted to be able to do the same thing. So I think for a soccer player, um, understanding that they can represent, it, it, they can represent their school, they can represent their city, they can represent, you know, their club. Um, I think I think finding what to fight for, what to play for. Uh, this these are things that I think as coaches should almost. You don't want to be a sports psych, but you almost need to ask your athletes these questions. What are you playing for? Who are you playing for? You want to play for yourself. That is number one. Because if you're not playing for yourself, like, when time gets rough, you know, if you don't respect yourself as a player, then that's going to be an issue. But you also need to ask them, like, what about your family? What about your club? Where are your other loyalties found? You know, you can use that to build a player up. You know, if my coach would be like, "Hey, Carlos, who do you fight for?" Well, I fight for myself. Who else do you fight for? Well, I fight for my family because they've seen me do it. What else? Well, I fight for the cities that saw me grow up. I want them to. I want them to, to be represented. I want them to know that I I appreciate everything they gave me. So <clears throat> when shit gets, pardon me, when stuff gets rough, you can always kind of like pull into uh, other stuff besides yourself. I can pull into mm. my love for my family, for my cities, and that just gives me a little bit more energy. So I think it's uh when the when the game is tied and and you, you need to remember who you're playing for you need to remember who you want to win for, I think it can give you an edge in victory.
1: Truthfully. So yeah. yeah. It's uh it's really true. good to hear you say that because you know Scott and I talk about this all the time. Uh we go recruiting And most of the games I go watch, they call them showcases. There's literally nothing on the line. These kids aren't winning a trophy. They're a part of a club. And the only people in the stands are their parents and then like college scouts. And in this country, high school soccer, specifically public high school soccer, really isn't that strong. But, man, you could see a huge difference in the kids at the high school games just because – there's something bigger than them. It's the yeah. school. There's going to be, like you mentioned, there's going to be girls there. There's going to be teams that are, you know, they're not in season or whatever. Maybe the lacrosse guys are coming to watch the the uh, the soccer game. And so you're representing so much more. And the next day you're going to be in school and they're going to be like, oh, I saw him in the newspaper. He scored a goal. There's just so much more there, even though the level is much lower. And so, you know, you could see it in your face, the, the excitement there. To, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. You can just see there's just so much more. And I'm glad you said that at the end that it gives you more energy. I mean, when you're – this is a team sport, but you're an individual. And each team is made up of individuals. Individual. And if you're bringing yourself down, you're bringing the team down. Whether, you, whether you're whether you the last guy on the bench or not, that doesn't matter. The last guy has to challenge the guy ahead of him. And if that guy's not being challenged, he's going to get weaker too. And so uh, it, it's really cool to hear you say that. Um, you know, hey, we, we mentioned – a few people on this podcast. You know, you mentioned Kobe. I mean, I love Kobe. Uh, we talked about Peterson and Kalapari. Who do you, is there anybody you watch? Is there anything that you're like, man, if this guy's speaking, I, I got to hear. Or some YouTuber that you're pretty pumped about. Anybody that gives you that little extra edge?
2: It's funny. Um, I was asked this a few times uh, while I was in Vegas. Uh, but there are my go-to's that I listen to uh, when getting into that state of mind. Uh, and and yeah, a lot of them are just people that have sacrificed everything to be their best. So yeah, I, I like uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Their stories are just crazy, crazy inspiring. Steph Curry, yeah. another one. You know, like Steph Curry was wasn't great initially. He wasn't like a the 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 prospect that everybody thought was gonna be amazing. You know, and like he came to revolutionize the game a little bit with this a little bit, a lot of it. With his shots, Mm -hmm. now you have 13-year-old kids practicing half-court shots. You know, it's like these are guys in basketball and boxing. Um, I look at so many other – like they have so many different personalities in fighting because they're personal. Um, It's a personal sport. But, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Floyd Mayweather. He talks all that that trash, but, man, does he work. You earned it, Mm -hmm. bro. You want to talk that trash? You earned it. Do it.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Let somebody beat you. They can't. Oh, because you earned it. So good for you. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Muhammad Ali, we're talking about people that fight for something else, man. What a freaking hero. He fought for the civil rights. He fought for a revolution. He fought for, for, for a mass of people that didn't have rights at a time. You know, he fought for something way bigger than him. So there, there are a lot of people that I, I like to watch, um, that inspire me um i actually like jordan peterson too jordan peterson's a very logical person um his logic is is something that i i i want to learn more about when i when i hear him talk i'm like man this guy is yes he's smart but the way that he comes up with stuff it it uh makes sense you know but i use all of that for for my fighting when i see the way he thinks i was like I should think like that when it comes down to to how I fight to how I perceive um yeah. an incident to how i'm going to 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 set this camp mentally you know so um those are really the biggest names that i I do um look to um uh and then you know just you have other people you have actors that have gone through this and that you know I try to find inspiration everywhere um but yeah. the,
0: I, I think the, the biggest athletes were the ones that I just gave you right now. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I got two more things. So, what are you focused on now to, you know, take yourself to the next level and, you know, what's it going to take for you to get there? You know, what are you working on now? Um, and, and, you know, Kind of from a from a mental level too, right? I mean, it seems like guys at your level, there's there's a lot of physical equality, and you know, maybe the differentiator is how you attack things mentally. And so, you know, what are you working on now that um, can get you from where you are now to to where you want to go?
2: So, firstly, I, I do have a sports site that I work with. I, I understood. Before so before COVID, uh, I was eight and three. Before moving to to Virginia, I was six. I was seven and one, six and one, before moving to Virginia as a professional. Um, And then I trained for a year with uh, the gym that we're at now with my coach, and I fought um, at a pretty good show here in the D.M.V. area, Um, and I I won. Against a big jiu jitsu black belt, I was a purple belt. So, if you don't know the ranking system, um, black belt is the highest level, purple belt is two belts below that. It's still the intermediate, advanced kind of belt. I, I, that had been my kryptonite. Fighting any kind of grappler was always my kryptonite. And I won uh, very, very, in a very dominant fashion um, using jiu jitsu. Uh, but then I started getting scouted. Uh, and when I started getting scouted it was from the matchmakers of the UFC um, other organizations and when you start getting scouted uh, it 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 changes the game a little bit they started following me on Instagram they started you know like messaging me and I was like oh man you know and uh my next four fights I went two and two because I let that get to my mind I was like I started fighting for what could be instead of focusing on what is, and uh, I needed to find a sports psych. I knew that there was a flaw. Whatever, I, however, I was seeing it in my head. It wasn't allowing me to express myself fully, and there was something was hampering me. So I, I knew that I needed to find help in that sense. And um, right before COVID, I found a sports psych, and we've been working together ever since. And he's been. He's been uh, everything that I needed to to really help the outlook and uh, help me perform at my highest without worrying about all the external factors. So, um, yeah, uh, I think what I'm working on mentally with him, I see him once a week off camp. um, And then during camp, I could see him twice to three times a week. And during fight week, I could talk to him, you know, however many times I need to talk to him during fight week. Um, so I think that that's an important thing, one, to understand that the mental game is, is insanely important. If your players, if their minds aren't where they should be, um, they could be the best player in the world, they they might not perform well that night. You know, I've in my mm-hmm. soccer team, we had like the number one guy, um, miss, uh, he just couldn't shoot him. He, when there wasn't any pressure, he would be the best free throw kicker ever. Um, but whenever there was pressure on the on the game his his uh you know his free throws or his his penalty shots were were not the best you know and he lost us several games because of that um but it's a mental game right so with them right now um with my sports side at the moment uh we're just working on on building fundamentals um with uh being centered. and this seems like uh this seems fluffy you know i was like what does that mean Um, But if you look into Kobe And if you look into Michael Jordan uh, Being centered Especially with Kobe Was a huge part of the game Like being able to focus specifically On your breathing And where you are at the moment Versus what's going on around you Versus all the external factors What people are seeing What people think about you um, You thinking about the future You know because your, your anxiety Comes from your thoughts of the future Right And then You've been punished from your mistakes in the past. So you can't think in the past. You can't think in the future. You have to think in now. That's when you perform the best. That's when flow happens. I don't like to use that term, right? But when people get in the flow state, it's because they're fully focused on what is at that moment. So that starts with being present. That starts with being um, mindful. Uh, When you can close your eyes and breathe and just be present in the moment and feel the wind blow through your, your, you know, your hair and feel the chair that you're sitting in that that's how that starts. So right now we're actually working on that. We've been working on visualization, um, on top of that. Uh, so being centered and visualizing and almost visualizing yourself being centered. If that makes any, any kind of, uh, mm-hmm. sense, but, uh, That's what I'm working on right now mentally with my sports psych. And then uh, Mm -hmm. skillfully-wise, again, we have to have different things. As a a fighter, I'm a Taekwondo fighter, which is a long-range fighter. It's really hard to hit me. You'll see it. People have a hard time hitting me um, because of my movement, because of my range that I play at, that I fight at. But um, I know that I want to be a better wrestler. But in order for me to be a better wrestler, I need to close that gap. I need to be able to fight closer. So I've been working on nothing but boxing and going from long range to short range to grappling. So that's where I'm at right now. Transitionally, I'm just working close range. If you see me sparring now, I'm going to look like a different fighter. But I have to put myself in these scenarios because when I fight, obviously I'm not going to fight that way. But when it comes time to close the distance, I know how to do it. And if someone wants to close the distance for me, I don't feel – like I am in a place where i'm i'm uh uh what's the word compromised so uh as a striker, I'm working playing fighting closer range inside dirty boxing into wrestling in jiu jitsu wise right now i'm uh, into foot locks um just because uh when I first moved here, I had to learn how to pass guard um justin this might go a little over your your head, but I had to learn how to pass guard I had to learn how to have guard retention um those are basic things that. Other places don't really teach you, but those are basic fundamental things. So, like, for the first five, and and, uh, Justin, our academy is called Fifty Fifty, which is a leg entanglement position where you can get foot locks. Essentially, you can get reaps, Mm -hmm. and I can, like, make you tap by grabbing your foot a certain way because if you don't tap, I'm going to rip your leg off, right? (laughs) That's what our gym is known for. But guess what? Our gym barely teaches that. Our gym teaches so much fundamental stuff. You have to learn how to be in base. You have to learn how to pass guard. You have to learn how to hold, how to have a retention, how to stay safe in positions. That's what they go about. So when I first moved here, I had to learn that from scratch. Um, mm. Here in the DMV area, they tend to have a very educated and sophisticated route to victory. I will say that. I will also say that they're not the grittiest, right? But they're very white collar. <laughs> yep. They're not blue collar. Yeah. Louisiana, on the other hand, we're not the most sophisticated. We are the <laughs> grittiest people I've ever seen in my life. I learned to fight yeah. quick because every blue collar worker there fights with everything that they have. Not necessarily mm. here, but here. right? So when I first moved here, I had to learn to take this and put it aside and use this. And now that I have a little bit more of both, I can use both. right? So at the moment, in jiu-jitsu, I'm working on the nuances now that the gym is known as 50 50 right yeah. the heel hooks from different positions foot locks being able to play that esoteric game that most people don't know how to play and this is going to make me stand apart from the rest of the jiu-jitsu mma world so dude believe it or not i have boards telling me this is what you're working on now this is what you're working on now this is what you're working on now so there's a lot that i'm working on wrestling i'm working on basics again basics, just singles and double legs um, but how can I put that into my fighting style so there's always something to work on man I have a whole you know I have a whole playbook of what I'm doing at the moment and what I'm gonna be doing six months from now so that's what I'm working on but right now the goal is to um, hit and stay in the big leagues right so uh, once this show is, is done with uh, we'll see where, uh, what route my career takes off, whether I stay in the UFC, whether I go to Bellator, whether I go to PFL. Um, maybe I'll take another fight in a minor league organization just to try this new uh, style that I'm trying out to get ready to go back into the big leagues. I don't know. That's the hard part of fighting, right? You are you just have to be adaptable. Um, mm. But I know that a lot of Competition and a lot of opportunities are already arising. I've already been contacted by a lot of big league uh, promotions, so we're just trying to get ready, and we're just working on my my holes, and we're putting everything together. And lastly, even though we're doing all of this, working on holes and doing that, I I try to remind myself of who I am as a fighter, um, what my strengths are, what has brought me to. The level that I'm at now skill-wise um, and not forget about that because sometimes you get so focused on all the new stuff that you forget all the stuff that you have that is world-class that um, you almost lose a little bit of your identity um, so that's part of the the mental game also don't forget who you are and what you do best and then everything else you just break along to what you do organically the best right and that's how you're going to become better each time but yeah that's that's kind of
0: where I'm at at the moment yeah i mean if you if you take that back to <clears throat> who our audience primarily is um it's being honest with yourself and and acknowledging where your weaknesses are you know maybe you need to work on your off foot you know maybe you're a right footed player and you, you you know your left foot is for standing on mace basically, basically so you need to develop a left foot or your vision you know your field vision or your tactical awareness and that sort of thing so I mean, it, as an athlete, as someone who wants to get better, you have to be honest with yourself and, you know, address the holes in your game, so to speak. Um, yeah. So, cheesy have anything to say on that? I got one more question for no, before go we go. mercifully let Carlos go here. Um, I just want to know what the experience was like. You know, you're you're on ESPN every week. You're on the Ultimate Fighter, and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but uh, you know, you got cameras around you for how long were you there? Uh, about two months. Two months. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're living, you know, you know, reality TV for two months and you know, you everybody, you know, it's a it's a lion's den in there too, right? I mean everybody yeah. is eyeballing each other and, and you know, you're they're honing in on what you're weak at and and that sort of thing. And um, I know you can't talk about it too much at this yeah. point, but, uh, you know, what was the experience like and, you know, what did you take away from it and what did you learn like, uh, from your other competitors and your coaches you had world-class athletes, world-class coaches there, um, you know, just summarize the experience and, and, you know, how great it was and that, you know, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was a special, it was a special experience because, um, Like you said, there's people from all over the world. So you see the greats train. Um, And even though they all train a little differently, um, they all still train very similarly in a sense of like, it can't just be uh, like, just kill work, kill work. It has to be cerebral as well. Like the best fighters are cerebral. Mm -hmm. They have to understand how to train because MMA is such a physical uh, sport that if we trained hard, hard all the time, we would all be, like, punch drunk. So seeing other people, the highest-level coaches, train the way that we've been training, striking and jujitsu, it was uh, really eye-opening for me. I was like, cool, we're on something. We're doing something really good, you know. Um, I'm flowing yeah. through positions with these fighters, um, and they're having me do drills that I do on my own, which is uh, really, really cool. Now, regarding the house, being in the house full of cameras – that took adjusting too. Um, Again, I'm not the most social person at times. I can be, but I enjoy to be by myself when I'm not training just because I'm always around people. I'm in a house full of 16 guys that are all competing, that are all cutting weight, that are all on a certain diet, that are all exhausted, um, that all miss their families. They don't have their phones. They don't have TV. We don't have radio. We didn't have music. Um, So being... Being uh comfortable with who you were was very important for me. I was like, all right, cool, this is who I am. They're gonna talk smack here and there. Um that was a little uh rough at times. Uh and you'll be able to see that on the show. But it it was it was a good experience personally because I was able to understand and meet these other fighters, see where they were, see a little bit of myself in them, be like, huh, I act like that sometimes. Interesting. Um <laughs> right. Uh I, I, and I see how he's acting and why he's acting how he's coming across. I was like, okay, I got to stop doing that. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and then um, the cameras was wild, man. Like me and the guys would sometimes talk at like uh, 1 a.m. Like me and my roommate, we would talk like 1 a.m. regarding fights, competitions, and then um, it's just us. And then all of a sudden the camera crew walks in with like five ginormous cameras and they start recording us. And they're like, keep going. I'm like, this is so weird, dude. It was like, like, it's hard for me to talk to you like we're talking right now. when There's like six cameras like right next to me, you know, but it is what it is, man. Um, so that was a, a, an experience. Um, being able to understand that you're going to be uh, in front of a worldwide audience uh, was also something that is new. And it, right now it's new. Watching my friends win and lose, um, in front of the world—it's—it's it's a new experience for me. Um, because yeah, I, I we've done that before, but being you know, on ESPN internationally, you know, it's—it's it's it's another level of exposure. Um, so that's something that I'm still getting used to, and I want to make sure that I stay the person that I am, and I want to make sure that I—I—I I, I don't lose any anything that's got me here. You know, like social media is fluff. It's not real. You know, it's necessary, unfortunately, because this is the world that we live in, but it's not real. So um, as long as I keep doing what I'm doing and I keep focusing on, on my on my growth as a fighter, as a martial artist, as a person, um, I know that I'm going to continue to move on forward and take strides and be where I want to be. Um, and that's something that really I, I realized while I was on the show. You know, I realized actually how disciplined we all were, but I did see different levels of disciplines i could be like oh some of us are going to be go further than others you know just because you just like we were talking about before just because you reach a certain point so people almost like put their feet up be like here i am you know other people like let me go fucking train some more the first night i got into the house you probably didn't see this immediately i want to go run laps all right cool i'm about to go run you know so see y'all later um but yeah uh, it was a cool experience. The coaches were awesome. Conor McGregor is wild. He has days where he's down to earth. They has days where he's exactly what you picture he is. Michael Chandler is a <laughs> really down to earth dude. Um, uh, you're gonna see a little bit of this in the in the the future. So I won't say much, but you know they took us to uh, the casino and like Conor gave us like a thousand dollars in chips just so that we can have fun with. It was cool as hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> he bought us, like, tomahawk steaks and shit. We're like, oh, my God, this is insane, <laughs> cool. right? Um, yeah. So uh, it was a great experience. Um, I'm going to take it with me forever. I grew as a person. I grew as a fighter. Um, and actually, I made such good connections that I'm going to head out to Ireland next month, and I'm going to go train with Conor and his team um, uh, for about a few weeks. So um, great night. that that is one thing that I will always say, um, and I'll also recommend um, – for your players is to understand that networking is everything and treat everybody kindly um, because you never know who can help you uh, get to the next level or this one connection can help you with something else. Um, Your opponents, you know, opposing teams, maybe y'all are rivals at one time, but y'all could be the best training partners at another time. Like, you know, uh, you know, everyone who you meet, you know, there's a reason why you meet them. So, um, always, always network, always talk to them, always, you know, be kind and, uh, see how you guys can help each other out, you know? So that's, you know, that's my two cents on that.
0: That's beautiful. Great, great words there. Um, yeah, I, so that's all I have. I don't want to keep you any longer than this. So, um, I can't thank you enough for your, for your time and your, you know, being gracious enough to to join us and uh, you know share so much, that was that was freaking awesome. I, I loved it. So,
1: uh, Carlos, man, I got four pages of notes. Oh, so awesome. I appreciate <laughs> everybody, <Awesome.
0: laughs>
2: guys. Whatever you <laughs> do,
1: you, you so might be coming
0: notes. down to give a team talk. <laughs> thank yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks, Thanks. I had. Thank you for listening to Tales from the Trail. Please take a minute to visit matchplayrecruit.com, check out our other podcasts, and send me questions and comments. Thank you again to Carlos, and we'll see you on the trail.